So our journey this weekend um, is around hope, but it's hope that we are um, leading towards this conversation about creation um, and our responsibility to creation. So Daniel took us on this great journey this morning of how we are a blessed people, um, but how with blessing comes responsibility. And I want to take us the next step of the journey on that, and then Rose is going to do both our sessions uh, tomorrow. Um, a few years ago, or just after, or on my way to becoming a priest, or just after I did, um, I think it was Connor organised for me to come and talk to one of his social studies classes. Is Connor here? Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, asked me to speak to one of his social studies classes of like year 11s or something, year 10s, at Wellington High School because they wanted to meet a priest. They found it very novel. And Wellington High School was probably one of the like most, it's, it's got to be the most secular high school in New Zealand, surely. Yeah, no doubt, right? Um, and... Um, and um, so I went in, and they were just basically like able to just fire questions at me for an hour, um, these year 10s, of anything they wanted to ask me about what I believed. Um, and man, they were so insightful, eh? Like, so insightful. Um, but one of the ones which like totally caught me off guard was partway through, um, a kid puts up his hand, and he goes, um, what is sin? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Um, and my answer to this um, has more and more been around something that um, I can't actually, um, Spanky, uh, who I do a podcast with, we've been talking about this for a while, and it's basically this idea that sin is the severing of the four great relationships. Sin is the severing of the four great relationships. So those four great relationships being relationship with God, relationship with self, relationship with others, and relationship with creation. The severing of the four great relationships. And ultimately, sin is about the breaking of relationships. And the amazing thing is that I was actually able to say to these young people, I'm like, uh, go through each of those things and say, you know, do we have severed relationship with God? Well, almost none of our society believes in a spirituality anymore. Like the West has thrown it in. You saw a little nod and I'm like, you know, and I'm like, do we have a severing of a relationship with self? Well, we're full of anxiety and we're full of self-loathing and we're full of se low self-esteem. And you can see this nodding. I said, do we have um, a severing of relationship with the other? And we start talking into things like rape culture and um, racism and, and prejudice. And they're like, yeah. I said, do we have a severing of a relationship with creation? Of course we do. <laughs> Because climate change, you know, that when we talk about sin in those terms as the severing of these relationships that were meant to be intimate and close, um, suddenly sin starts to make sense to people. And it makes me think of another story. A few years ago, a friend of mine um, who's um, done a lot of study in te reo Māori and te ao Māori, um, he was trying to get his head around what mana means, uh, my friend Mark Barnard. And he's like, I know it's not quite pride, and I know it's not quite reputation. It's that hard thing of like, actually, there's not really um, te reo Pākehā words for this. He says, what is mana? And the kaumātua he asked this to said, oh, um, I'll tell you what mana is like. He said, once we had a well-respected kaumātua in my iwi who passed away, and we, um, we ran out of food. So many people came back to the marae that we couldn't feed everybody. So we sent our men out fishing, and they went out fishing and they caught the most fish they've ever caught. That is mana. And I thought, whoa, that's, that's, really, that's really interesting. And he talked about it in these four ways. He talked about the same thing of the four great relationships, mana atua, connection to God, 
mana motivaki connection to self and self-determination, mana tangata or mana um, whanau to others, and mana whenua to the land, use the same language. And as I heard him talk about this um, miraculous catch of fish, obviously the priest in me couldn't help but go <laughs> to our story of the miraculous catch of fish, which is from Luke 5. And it goes like this, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And probably in this moment, Simon also fell down flat and began laughing. Um, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So Jesus lives as one deeply connected to God, deeply aware of his own self-revelation, deeply connected to others, and deeply connected to the earth and the creation that God has created. Deeply connected to his Father, deeply connected to self, deeply, deeply connected to others, deeply connected to creation. And so what we see as Jesus walks the, world, walks the earth is when Jesus speaks to creation, creation responds to him. And so much of the language that Christ uses around creation um, speaks to this. So in Luke 19.40, we have the story of the triumphal entry of Christ coming into town on this donkey, and there are revolutionary palm fronds being waved, and people are saying, Hosanna, the Messiah has come, and the Pharisees say, everybody quiet down, and what does Jesus say? He says, if, if they stop, the rocks will cry out. The earth will begin to cry out. Matthew 17, 20, the disciples fail to heal someone, and he says, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Later on in Matthew, Matthew 21, 19, Jesus finds this fruitless fig tree. He curses the tree, and it withers away. So the more you read the scriptures um, in terms of Christ having this deep awareness of the earth and of God's creation, you start to see that Jesus is always speaking and interacting with the creative order. All of this to say, Jesus' relationship with creation is super intimate, and when he speaks to stones, to mountains, and to trees, they listen to him. Um, Jesus is our original tree hugger. Um, Jesus is constantly aware of God's creation around him and I think that we are called into a similar kind of a respect in relationship with the world that God has created us to live in. So I want to share three ideas around this um, today um, and um, the first of these uh, I mentioned earlier on that we had someone come around for dinner the other night um, this guy um, who comes up and starts knocking on the glass of our church the other day um, step outside invite him in he comes and hears the rest of the sermon and then on uh, Monday night, he comes around for dinner. Um, and um, I don't know if you ever meet those people, but you feel like God really places them on your heart, like deeply. Like it's not just another person to know, but there's a particular kind of a like, oh, this is, this is important. You capture God's heart for that person. 
Um, so I, um, I finished work that day about um, 2 p.m. and I just started cooking. Like I love cooking Indian food, so I just started cooking so much Indian food <laughs> from like two to like six or seven um, and I'm um, cooking all this food and then I spent like probably 45 minutes laying out the table um, and putting it all out. There was something, and I don't think I was conscious of it at the time, but there was something um, in the heart of God that God communicated with me that I needed to show this hospitality to him that God wanted to show to him. Um, and so where does that all come from? You know, why do I put in the effort? Because when Sam and Talia and I sit down for dinner, it's not normally as special as that, eh? <laughs> This is pretty special. <laughs> um, but, um, but what it was is God captivated my heart and that um, creativity and that desire to do that flowed from an act of love. That actually what I'm putting on the table, what I'm cooking is an act of love. And the best creativity is always an act of love. The best creativity is always an act of love. There's this German theologian um, called Karl Barth who is kind of arguably sort of some would say the best modern theologian we've had in a long time. He's a bit of a dodgy guy personally, but he had some good ideas, so we roll with the good ideas, um, because pretty much they were all dodgy in some way. Um, but he said this about creation, about the world we live in. He said, creation is a result of the will and the love of God. Creation is a result of the will and the love of God. So what's he saying here? He's saying we follow the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Our God is community, right? Our heart, we follow the three-in-one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, intimately connected to one another, three but one. And out of that community flows love, and out of that love throws, uh, flows creativity. And so creation is a result of the will and love of God. So out of the love flowing within the three and one God, we are given the gift of creation. It's out of love that we give a gift, and it is out of the heart of God that we are given the gift of creation. Karl Barth also talks about how we don't live in a void. We don't accidentally live in this creation. It's not like God just had to put us somewhere, <laughs> you know? It's like, I have to relate to you on some piece of land, so here's the land you can have. It wasn't incidental but it was important that this was a gift that flowed from the love and will of God. Creation is a gesture of God's generosity to us. Creation is a gesture of God's joint generosity to us. The world is a gift of God's great love. And so when we live in creation, we live in a tangible landscape of God's love. We live in a tangible landscape of God's love. We have the opportunity to walk in this world aware that every tree, that every maunga, that every awa, that every moana is speaking to us of a God who deeply loves us and wanted us to live within a gift that he gave us. You guys following me? Yeah, good. Um, Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 6.3. He said, holy, 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 all the earth is full of your glory. This, we live in the landscape of God's love. That's beautiful, right? We don't live somewhere accidentally. We live in a place that is always declaring the love of God to us. Um, when I think of this, the first thing that comes to mind, a few years ago, I was in um, People's Coffee in Newtown, and I was sitting at one of the tables right down the back. Um, and, um, and as I was sitting there, I was mulling over some scriptures, and the scripture that came to me um, was from Matthew 10, 29-31. And it said this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. 
and even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Um, and I was like enormously touched by this, like one of those moments where a scripture really grabs you. And I was like, wow, like God loves the sparrows, but man, does God love me. <laughs> um, and um, at this moment, I hear this rustling and I look down, I'm way inside the cafe and there is a sparrow at my feet that has come in and nestled under the coffee table with me. Um, and it was totally a gift that God has given to me that there are so many days now where I am busy, where I am anxious, where I am carried away and I will be sitting somewhere and I will see a sparrow, the most common of birds. <laughs> and I will remember that God deeply loves me. And that is the gift of God's creation, is a declaration of his love to us as a gift. So point number one, I'm going to give you three Ks today. Creation is a koha. Creation is a gift. We live within a love gift of God. We live within a love gift of God. That's cool, eh? Isn't that cool? Second thing I want to talk to you about today. Um, a little while ago, uh, some, some of you will have told about this before, but I, um, my grandma died about um, 12 years ago, uh, my nana, actually. And she, um, she was in a rest home at the time. Um, and um, she came from a uh, um, Protestant background, but the Eucharist that they were holding in this rest time was a Catholic Eucharist. And so she really wanted to go to communion in her sort of her last, you know, few years of life, but she hadn't been along because her assumption was that she wasn't welcome. Um, and me being um, kind of 20, 21, having no idea about church history or why any church would have any beef with any church, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I just bashed out, I never wrote to my nana, but I bashed out a letter to her, um, and I said, like, you need to know that everybody is welcome at the table of the Lord, everyone is welcome at the table of the Lord, um, sent this letter out to her, it was longer than that, um, and it was full of, like, young, passionate <laughs> fire, <laughs> um, and, um, and I sent it to her, and um, she got that letter uh, on a Thursday morning, went to Eucharist, and passed away that night. Um, it's like an, an incredible thing, I found that letter um, the other day. Um, but because I loved her, um, I wrote to her and I spoke to her of God's love for her. Um, and I really think um, creation is a gift, but creation is also God's love letter to humanity. It is God speaking to us of our welcome in him, of our preciousness to him. Um, creation is like the scriptures, it is a text that we can read. Um, creation is telling us who God is. Creation is a text. It's telling us who God is. Um, his character is written in the landscape. And I'm not making this up. Paul talks in um, Romans 1.20. Um, love how I have to say that. Eh? I'm not making this up, just in case. Um, but um, Romans 1.20, ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. Isn't that beautiful? So there are people in the world, many people who have died, never hearing the scriptures. You just know this. There are many people who have never heard an evangelist or a preacher. But what Paul is saying here is ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible as they are, have been understood and seen through the things that he has made. Creation is a text that is speaking of the glory of God. The message version says, but the basic reality of God is plain enough Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of his divine being. 
Um, I want to share with you a bit of a, a, a hard story to share, but I thought a lot and I think it will be um, something good to share. But uh, many of you will um, be aware that um, in the last year I've gone through a really um, difficult uh, separation. Um, and, um, and it's been particularly rugged, but God speaking through creation has been um, one of the key healing parts of this journey. Um, the year before this happened, um, December slash January 2019, 20, um, I was up in the Coromandel on, um, on holiday, um, and each night I was lying in my tent, and for three nights I felt this beckoning out onto the beach, um, and there was this massive moon in the sky um, that just, there was no other light around, so it kind of just bathed everything in this blue glow, and uh, for three nights I walked, and each night God um, spoke to me really clearly. He said, "You uh, this year you are going to learn to walk by moonlight, and I thought, Ugh, who wants to walk by moonlight? I want to walk by sunlight. <laughs> like, I want to walk by radiant sun. Um, I want to walk in the warmth. And God was saying, this year you are going to walk and you're going to learn to see in the dim, dark, cold. You are going to learn to walk by moonlight. Um, I forgot about this and a few months later during lockdown. Um, things were starting to go a lot worse. And I was sitting up at the War Memorial looking over Brooklyn um, and... Um, and uh, doing some contemplative practice stuff, and at the end of the 20 minutes, the little app told me it was over, and immediately as I heard that bell, um, this phrase came back into my mind, um, you are going to learn to walk by moonlight, and I opened my eyes, and they were immediately guided to this massive full moon in the sky. Um, the next morning, the very next morning, I picked up a book by Maya Angelou. Has anyone read Maya Angelou? It's like such a beautiful writer. The first line of the book said, don't the moon look lonesome shining through the trees? Don't the moon look longest shining through the trees? Don't your house look lonesome when your baby pack up to leave? Whoa. <laughs> Three or four um, days later, we had a scan. Um, the scan came back, we sent it to a few friends. Someone who's not of faith, had no idea what was going on, comes back immediately and typed, there's a full moon in your scan. Just bizarre on bizarre on bizarre. Um, as, things, um, as things kind of continued to get worse and worse, there was one night I was driving through town, um, a particular song came on the radio that reminded me of something, and, um, and I started to feel tight in my chest, started to feel kind of tingles running through my body. Had never had a panic attack before, but um, that was basically what was happening. Pulled over leaned on the side of the car, um, was just absolutely wrecked um, and um, just absolutely in despair. Look up, see this great big full moon and just felt this despair just leave me for a moment and felt God comfort me. Um, the moon was like a powerful love letter from God to me in this time. So, so, so powerful. God speaking through his creation, which is a text so point one, creation is koha, a gift of God's love we live within. Point two, creation is kupu, a word, a text, and a love letter from God which we receive. And then point three, um, final final point. Um, as we said, we um, moved up to Brooklyn a while ago, um, and um, we have this amazing place to Todman that we run in our community. 
Um, and just um, uh, yesterday was my daughter's first birthday. She's awesome. She's coming tomorrow. Um, this is actually what I forgot to tell you, actually, just before. Um, but for all of these things um, of the moon is why we called my daughter Luna. Um, it was um, with connection to this journey that God had brought, brought me on with the moon. Um, but, um, yeah, we're at this place, 2 Todman Street, um, which is um, one of Luna's homes. And um, she yeah, lives with me um, quite a few days and some nights of the week. Um, and, um, yeah, had her first birthday. Um, and my um, mum and dad um, dug out for, as a gift for Luna um, this little book here, Common Prayer Hymns um, A&M. Um, and this prayer book used to belong to Luna's great, great, great grandmother. Isn't that cool? Um, and one thing we didn't know as I opened it up, um, it has her name in here. And then in the bottom left corner it says Todman Street, Brooklyn, Wellington. Isn't that amazing? Um, so beautiful. Um, but this is like such a treasure for Luna Ray. Like what an absolute treasure for her to hold. What a beautiful gift. What a beautiful text she has been given here. Um, but why does Luna have this gift and this text to enjoy? Why does she have this? Because someone thought it was worth caring for and protecting. Someone thought it was worth caring for and protecting this gift and this text, which would speak to my baby girl. If creation is a gift of the will and love of God, a koha, and if creation is a love letter from God, a kupu, then I want everyone to receive that gift and I want everyone to read it. I want everyone to see the glory of God on display in God's creation. Because the more alive creation is, the more evident God's glory is in the world. And so I'm not going to go much further than that, but this is where Rose is going to take us. If we believe that what we live within is a gift of God that declares his love to us, if we believe that the creation we live into is a text of God speaking to us, then I want this creation to be a shining gift that speaks as loudly as possible. And that means I have to really care about anything that breaks the integrity of this gift and this text that speaks to the world. I want people to know Jesus, and so I want them to hear God's voice as loudly as possible, whether it's in the scriptures, whether it's through the voice of a person, or whether it's through the monga, the awa, the moana, the rako. I want that to be alive. And that is why we care about the safeguarding of this beautiful thing that God has given to us, right? Because we want it to be alive with God's glory, and we don't want it to be dying just as we don't want any person to be dying. So point one, creation is koha, gift of God's love we live within. Point two, creation is kupu, a word, a text, and a love letter from God which we receive. Point number three, creation is made for kaitiaki, for care and protection. Koha, kupu, kaitiaki. This is what creation is given to us as. Someone who got this better than anyone um, in the history of our faith is St. Francis of Assisi. Um, he really got creation, eh? He was the like, <coughs> you know that scene in Snow White or whatever where like all the birds come around and like knit a gown on here? Like St. Francis was the OG when it came to that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but um, St. Francis wrote um, this um, song um, called The Canticle of the Sun 
um, which I thought I'd, I'd like to read if you'd like to close your eyes and listen to. Most high, all-powerful, good Lord, yours are the praises, the glory, and the honor, and all blessing. To you alone, most high, do they belong, and no human is worthy to mention your name. Praise be to you, my Lord, with all your creatures, especially Sir Brother Son, who is the day and through whom you give us light. And he is beautiful and radiant with great splendor and bears a likeness of you, most high one. Praise be you, my Lord, through sister moon and her stars. In heaven you formed them clear and precious and beautiful. Praise be you, my Lord, through bro brother wind and through the air cloudy and serene and every kind of weather through whom you give sustenance to your creatures. Praise be you, my Lord, through sister water who is very useful and humble and precious and chaste. Praised be you, my Lord, through brother fire, through whom you give light to the night, and he is beautiful and playful and robust and strong. Praised be you, my Lord, through our sister mother earth, who sustains and governs us and who produces various fruit with coloured flowers and herbs. Praised be you, my Lord, through those who give pardon for your love and bear infirmity and tribulation. Blessed are those who endure in peace, for by you most high shall they be crowned. Praise be you, my Lord, through our sister bodily death, from whom no one living can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin, blessed are those whose death will find in your, in your most holy will, for the second death shall do them no harm. Praise and bless my Lord and give him thanks and serve him with great humility. Loving God, we thank you for um, this gift and this text that we live within. We thank you for your creation, God. We know that your creation is not God, but it is your gift and it is your text to us. And we want our hearts, our eyes, and our ears to be open for what it is saying to us. Um, so, Lord, as we continue um, on, this, on this journey this weekend, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be filled with hope um, as we face some of the harsh realities of where we find ourselves. I pray that you would safeguard the hope within us. Um, and, Lord, I pray that um, rather than then um, shame or us just trying harder, God, that you would captivate our hearts um, with your heart for your created world. In your name we pray. Amen.